Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Paula Thomas. Paula has over 20 years of experience delivering tangible results for some of the top brands, and she's the creator and host of the podcast, Let's Talk Loyalty. Across all sectors, customers are now the ones defining loyalty and emotions have become the driving force behind sticking with a brand. Loyalty marketing has remained a profitable avenue through and past the COVID-19 era. So this is what we are talking about today. Thank you so much for joining me, Paula. Thank you for having me on the show, Diane. I am thrilled to have you here, and I would love it if you would explain to me the what you know this emotional side of loyalty marketing. For sure. So I think for my industry, Diane, um, we have actually quite a long history um, in taking care of customers and trying to recognize them for when they have been loyal to our businesses. So the classic example I'm sure all of your listeners are familiar with would be airline loyalty programs. And they started maybe back in the 1980s. Um, I believe American Airlines was the very first. But what happened over the course of time, Diane, was because you were being rewarded just based on your transactions with the company, the whole industry started to feel very transactional. So in recent years, customers are starting to say, we have different priorities now, and certainly the pandemic has has even accelerated that. So I just don't want to be in a relationship with a company where it's, if I do this, I get that. I want something more meaningful. So it's a huge ask. I will definitely say it's not something where there's an immediate solution for most brands, but definitely it's an increasing trend. And we see lots more companies looking for ideas to make customers feel loyal. Because I think one of the um, confusions is when we talk about loyalty marketing, people are often talking about the mechanics of loyalty programs and points or prizes or coupons. But what I like to talk about, certainly on my podcast, is the mindset of loyalty. So it's quite different. I see. Okay. So let's talk about that because it sounds to me like and I want to make sure I'm hearing this correctly, that that brands really need to um, be providing experiences or something different for their customers so their customers feel that loyalty even when a transaction doesn't happen. For sure. And I'll give you one great example that I wrote about recently, Diane. And it's, uh, you know, probably one of the biggest brands in the world. Um, But very interesting, it was before their loyalty program as it exists actually today. And the particular campaign that I'm going to mention uh, literally ran for three days. And it was McDonald's. 
and it ran about two years ago. And quite simply, what they did, Diane, was they released about 500 gift cards with unlimited credit for coffee. And they launched a TV campaign to say to people, look, if you're lucky enough to get one of these coffees, make sure to get your coffee and then pass it on. So it created a beautiful idea that sharing is caring and we don't always just have to benefit ourselves. But to me, that builds a real brand loyalty to McDonald's because I think that's actually something that's totally independent of whether I bought my burgers there or not. Everybody can enjoy something, again, within you know the business principles that it can't get out of control on the other side because certainly you can imagine, Diane, over-redemption on loyalty programs <laughs> is something we we have to manage as well. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I always wonder about that when, when like that recently McDonald's had this free fries Friday and I thought, oh my gosh, how are they <laughs> going to manage something like that? You know, but they must have. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, again, it's a superb uh, brand to watch from a loyalty perspective. They have recently launched their, obviously in the US, their own loyalty program. It's digital, it's app-based, and I'm sure it's very sophisticated. But in fact, last year, they were selling out of some of their core products because of partnerships with certain big celebrities. So again, I think that drives loyalty in a very different way than necessarily a points program. So to go back to actually to your opening question, Diane, I think there's an opportunity to be much more creative in terms of how you create loyalty with your customers. It shouldn't just be something that's, you know, thought about in a very simple functional way. There should be more depth to it. And that's where customers actually start to get really connected with your brand. And, and will you talk some about the additional benefit to a brand of having of keeping loyal customers? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, the obvious starting point. Um, now when I say obvious, <laughs> maybe it's only <laughs> obvious to me <laughs> because, you know, I think a lot of us in our industry spend a lot of time defending, um, you know, our loyalty programs because yeah. They're often seen as, um, as a cost, actually, um, something that's quite expensive to create, expensive to maintain. And obviously, the costs are incurred up front, whereas the returns and the customer's lifetime value is obviously then only enjoyed over months and years later. Um, so I think the fundamental principles, like when I got into loyalty, for me, first of all, I was just blown away by how, you know, we could powerfully change consumer behavior. So loyalty programs are a fabulous tool to understand, first of all, who are your most valuable customers? And I know certainly when I went to college, we were all told about the Pareto principle. 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your customers. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I got into business that I saw that is actually true. <laughs> so for me, the fundamental starting point is there are always customers in a business that you simply can't afford to lose. So I think the, the fundamental starting point is let's be super clear who those customers are. And then we start to build strategies and solutions to make sure we, first of all, understand them, because at the end of the day, there's no point building a business for anyone else. 
um, and then obviously respond and, and pivot our business as required in order to take care of those customers. Because one of my big learnings as well was Sometimes we think, you know, when we look at the different segments of customers, we think that maybe the mid-tier, the ones that are spending, you know, a good amount of money, but not massive. Sometimes we think that's where the most opportunity lies. But in my experience, it's actually the top tier of customers that have even more room to grow. So I'm very passionate about ideas like going for a, like a 100% share of your customer's wallet in your category, because then that's the only time you actually know that you've really achieved everything your business is capable of. Wow, that's fascinating. So, and, and surprising that it is, it is that top tier. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think it's, again, it's probably quite a recent insight for a lot of us, because as I said, the attribution of loyalty marketing can be quite difficult to measure. So the, the data scientists and the analysts are really now getting behind because of the sheer value. So for example, there were some airline programs valued just last year, I believe. Um, and again, this is in the context of just pre-pandemic, but 26, you know, 20 to $26 billion, the top uh, US airline loyalty programs are being valued wow. at. So they are extraordinarily powerful. And again, in my experience, they change customers' behavior and customers feel like, actually, yeah, there's something in this for me. So we have, you know, a, what we call a virtuous circle. So, right. you know, people start to be loyal to us. We make sure we're loyal to them and everybody feels good about the, the, the overall relationship. <clears throat> okay, that makes perfect sense to me. And it gets me thinking about, do companies, do they sometimes need to change their loyalty program because of circumstance like COVID? You sure. know, did the airline industry have to have to shift? Well, for sure they do. Um, and, and in many cases, they do in a direction that, you know, if, if you keep your customers' interests front and center, you may not always, I, I may not always agree with, let me say. So, for example, what a program can do is it can offer a certain reward rate. So let's say it's 1%. You know, if you spend $100, you get $1, $1 back in rewards. Sometimes some programs have been known to devalue that and say, actually, no, we're going to just give you back, you know, 50 cents instead. So that often mm -hmm. happens when the business is under pressure. And if the finance people, you know, manage mm -hmm. to, you know, convince the, the C-suite that, um, that the investment either is not working, even if it's only a short term, you know, they'll risk the brand damage. And I, I certainly don't agree mm. with that, but right. it's a very difficult decision for, for any program owner to have to manage through something like COVID particularly. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that it, 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 because boy, the damage that something like that can do, especially in a, in a, challenging environment can be really long term. You're totally right, Diane. And what we always say about um, the loyalty industry, in fact, is it is quite counter cyclical. So what I mean by that is mm. when the economy is, is flying and there's plenty of customers out there, loyalty programs are often forgotten or ignored or unappreciated within the business. Mm. 
But when it comes to a recession, in fact, I started my, my full-time loyalty career in the last big global recession, which we all remember back in 2008. Yeah. And what I certainly realized then, Diane, was there is a monumental opportunity first of all, to retain the very few customers that there are. But secondly, you know, your share of voice is so much more powerful. If everybody else is pulling back on marketing spend and not advertising, devaluing perhaps their program, as I've mentioned, then the brands that do say, no, we're going to hold our brand. We're going to keep being generous. We're going to continue to do business and, and really value our customers. People really, really do remember that, certainly for the long term. Yeah, no kidding. Boy, mm. great way to stand out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so well, I love there, this business. <laughs> uh, no doubt. I know. I can tell. Um, At this time, I'd like to take a sponsor break. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And I'm sure you know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts. Audible Originals, Guided Meditations. Uh, my favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity uh, hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Sign up for that free trial and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So, you know, beyond airlines and retail, are there other industries where you're seeing this shift occurring? Well, yeah, actually, it's a great question, Diane, because um, I'm probably uh, working or have been working, let's say, for the last few years in what to me is the most unexpected area. And there's another new one I'm going to mention as well. So let me tell you two examples. So the one mm -hmm. that I've been working in is convenience retail. So if you think about your local store, your 7-Eleven, your Circle K, whatever brand is close by, where you maybe get your gas and pick up your snacks and treats, mm -hmm. that historically has been a sector where, you know, any delay at the till, at the point of sale, is totally unaccept unacceptable. So it's always been almost, you know, the, the last uh, possible scenario for loyalty. But in fact, because the technology now has advanced so much, um, it has become possible to actually create loyalty programs, even in that very limited time window, and when the customer's spend is also very low. So exactly to, I suppose, the point you were kind of thinking maybe there, you know, when it comes to airlines and hotels, the stakes are high. But when it comes to, you know, I'm just going to put gas in the car every like few weeks, then it's actually a totally different ball game. So hmm. that is definitely one that has progressed enormously. So very exciting to see all of the work happening in inconvenience retail. And then I did a show recently as well, Diane, which really just I love from an innovation perspective. And that's probably a core value of mine. I'm guessing it's a core value of yours, given how long, long ago you started podcasting. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's literally, it's, it's a US program actually based out of New York. And it's designed to reward people who are renting their home. So paying what is probably their biggest monthly expense. Um, and most people, certainly in my world, when we start on the property ladder, we usually rent for a few years and then eventually we become homeowners. So there's a fabulous company. And again, a, you know, a guy that's been on, on my show has created a concept where, you know, for your rental payments, you do start to build up loyalty points for that expenditure. It's funded by the landlords who, for the first time, I think, again, like other business owners, are realizing actually it's very expensive to have to replace a tenant. So yeah. if you can, you know, really encourage them and help them even build up their credit score. So I'll give them a, a shout out. So the company's called Built Rewards, which is B-I-L-T. And they're certainly hoping to, uh, to go nationwide throughout the U.S. Uh, very ambitious, very impressive company. Wow, that's fascinating. It's super cool. You must listen to my show. <laughs> yes, yes. And I encourage everyone else to. That, that is, I mean, who would have thought that yeah. that would even be a thing? Exactly. Yes, you're absolutely right. But also what it taps into, Diane, it's, it's actually quite genius because when loyalty research is conducted, and I'm sure you've seen some, I, of course, see plenty, and often it's in-house research for a brand or it could be industry research. But every single time we get back, and I literally mean in any country I've seen it coming through, the research always says that particularly Gen Z and millennials, they are bought into the concept of loyalty programs, but very disillusioned with the reality of what they're being offered. So again, if you think about the profile of, you know, people who are renting, here is a loyalty model for the first time that's relevant for them and yeah. probably relevant throughout their whole life. So again, I'm totally um, excited about that program, what they've managed to create. Um, the founder of the company, in fact, is ex-Tinder. So a real, you know, clever, big brain, you know, um, very insightful um, person. So, yeah, I think he's done extraordinary work to find a model, to find a funding mechanic behind it um, and to make that work for um, for the interests and to take care of customers, which at the end of the day, for me as a loyalty professional, you know, if you can take care of your customers, actually, you know, that's when they feel the emotional loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a strange concept. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> it does. And, and, and so this is what really intrigues me. I mean, there's so much about this that intrigues me. But one of the things, one of the thoughts I keep having is, how does a, a brand figure out what is valuable, you know, to their customers? Like you said, so Gen Z, they, they like the idea, but then they don't really like the reality of it. Sure. So, you know, how does a brand go about doing that research, tapping into what it really is significant and really matters to their customer? 
Yeah, it's a great question again, Diane. And I've often wished actually that I, I did some of my marketing career, perhaps in, you know, in consumer goods, for example, because I think they're really the experts. So if you look at, you know, a huge corporation like a Johnson & Johnson, for example, and they're, you know, thousands of products that they create and manufacture, they are all done starting from the insight, which is the customer need. Now, they're certainly mm -hmm. not unique in creating that, but I, I think everyone can do that. So I suppose I got into loyalty, as I mentioned, about a decade ago within the telecom space, which is also quite an unusual sector. And it certainly was the only loyalty program for my telephone network, for my mobile, my cell phone um, at the time. Oh. But what that brand did have was they did have great demographic insights into you know who are these customers because it was it is a valuable business so i think when you start to understand the pain points then you can go out and create a concept and again i suppose partly what i'm trying to do with with let's talk loyalty is to look at new models to look at innovation in loyalty so that it does come back to the mindset. And again, not just saying, oh, we need to build a points program because maybe our competitors have one. Like, I don't believe that that's a good reason for a business decision. And to give you, I love actually the, the, the brand that I started with. Um, it's, it's still a very successful program in the UK. And the company behind it is called Telefonica. And the consumer brand is O2. So some of your listeners might have heard of them. But Telefonica and O2 really came up with the concept that, you know, when it comes to your telephone network, how can you differentiate, you know, is this brand better than this one? Because it tends to start really competing based on price. And it's hard to differentiate because the service is perceived to be almost identical. Now, there are obviously differences. But what O2 decided to do, and thankfully, I was um, responsible for delivering this in the Irish market, where I'm from. Um, essentially, what we decided was, let's give other reasons to be a customer of this telephone network. So, you know, let's forget the postpaid plans or the prepaid plans because, you know, there's an army of people in the company taking care of that. But my job, Diane, was to go out to all of the top high street retailers in the country. And I would literally go to them and say, look, I have a huge customer database of like a million customers. So how about you give me an exclusive offer and it has to be your best offer and I will market your brand to my customers and at the time, there was no fee at all associated with it because they were obviously taking that kind of discount on their side. But right. they got a huge marketing campaign and we wow. got something exclusive for our customers. So I really believe in the power of partnerships to create loyalty, especially in non-competing brands like that, where I was talking to fashion retailers, they were getting access to telecoms customers and everybody was happy. So really a win-win-win situation. Boy, no kidding. That that is a great example. Um, so, does it hurt? Well, I'm not really sure how to ask this question. I'm thinking about <laughs> um, a company that I do business with, and okay. they have a, a rewards program, but it's relatively meaningless. Mm. So it it doesn't make me feel 
bad about the company, but it doesn't make me feel loyal to them either. So, you know, I mean, it it is really relatively insignificant, but the, but the, like the idea is good. It's just, Mm. you know, $5. Yeah. You know, I mean, every um, what month. What sector, you know. Diane, is this, is this client? Cell phone. Okay. Cell phone. Okay. So, for example, that example that I gave you, you know, where there's other businesses or brands that you might want to do business with, if they went out with, you know, essentially their entire customer base as, you know, um, happy customers who are looking to, you know, to get great deals, like surely that would be more beneficial than what sounds like something that is still very transactional, you know, that they haven't thought beyond that. Like, you know, that there are more powerful ways to do it. And, you know, we've all seen the charity donations. And again, there's sometimes like just a box ticking exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think, it can even be the style of communication that a brand uses. Hmm. And one of my favorite examples, I don't know if you're familiar with the brand Groupon, which you sure. know is, is not it, well, there you go. So, so fabulous global brand. What first impressed me, so yes, the offers were extraordinary, the business model, the innovation for sure, but also the copywriting. So when Groupon started to send out their offers, they were beautifully written with gorgeous lifestyle photography and they really took an awful lot of care about the communications with the customers so even though it's fundamentally transactional as a business model and did burn itself out but that's the model i believe at fault there rather than the actual um, Mm. communications or the offers but i really was impressed by that and i sometimes think that we we really you know forget to treat our customers as human beings And I often talk about the example of like birthdays, you know, like what happens on my birthday? (laughs) I've given my date of birth to everybody. (laughs) So what are they going to do with it? (laughs) Good question. That's a good point. Oh, totally. I often say I'm very professionally disappointed on my birthday every year. (laughs) (laughs) It would be such a simple thing, right? For sure. And again, I did it for, for, for O2 because I was lucky enough again that they had the vision to, to yeah. first of all, be loyal to their customers before expecting it back from the customers. And I think that's probably one of the biggest mind shifts that um, business leaders really need to think about. So I think it's almost the situation where everybody's waiting for the other party to move first. Uh-huh. So you know, I really think the power of, you know, stepping up and, you know, doing something that's thoughtful. So, so in my example, we were actually being acquired, the company was changing ownership. So we had very limited capacity in terms of like, expanding the program and getting new members, but there was obviously a lot of concern and confusion. So I went to the biggest coffee brand in Ireland. And I said, okay, what I would love to do is buy like, you know, 20,000 cups of coffee from you. How would you feel about an extra 20,000 customers coming into your store to claim a coffee that I'm going to pay for, but I guarantee you they'll want a cookie. They'll want something else. The cross sell and upsell was just super nice. And of course I got a massive discount. Coffee's got great margins. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
but it was so simple like it, yeah. and it doesn't have to be complicated i think this yeah. is where people to, like if your telecoms company there that you mentioned if they got you a free cup of coffee even like once a year whether it is your birthday or you know that when you renew your contract wouldn't you be super happy and maybe tell a few people even well sure because i i would feel valued right sure. that they were yeah. thinking of me whether they were or not yeah I, it would feel like that and it's tangible and it's pretty universal you know it's there's very few people that would not be happy to go in and either have you know whether it's a tea coffee or actually we kept it very broad any hot drink so even if you only drink hot chocolate you could ah, go and pick that up yeah right super nice right yeah yeah right yeah. Because that that could actually backfire if you were giving people coffee, but they were tea drinkers, right? Totally, totally. Yep. So yeah, we have to be mm -hmm. as as fair and as generous. And I always feel like the the element of choice is very important as well, because another example, I, I always say, <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't be proud of how much chocolate and coffee I gave away in Ireland, but I am. <laughs> Um, so chocolate was another favorite giveaway. So I worked for our biggest energy company, which again is typically, you know, very hard to differentiate. Like, am I going with this company or that company for my, my home yeah. electricity? So we also set up a loyalty program where we would regularly, you know, say, look, here is, you know, our partner chocolate brand. And again, I would go and negotiate that. And then we would say, look, the next time you're in the local supermarket. So again, I did a partnership with the actual stores, uh, one brand of stores with a nationwide footprint. And you could literally go in with the digital code, which obviously was, you know, um, secure, single use only. And you could go in and choose your favorite large bar of your favorite flavor of chocolate. So even that thinking process, you know, again, it, it cost us a couple of dollars per person. The customer got this beautiful voucher with their individual code. They got to pick up the chocolate and go and say, oh, I got this as a gift from my energy company. It was gorgeous. Right. It's so interesting because as you're explaining that, I'm thinking, boy, you know what? If, if my cell company said, tell yeah. us your favorite charity. And yes every month we'll make a donation to your charity, mm -hmm. I would be thrilled. Totally, totally. And, and, and I sort of alluded to that earlier, Diane. I think you're absolutely right. Everybody wants to feel like they are making a difference. Yeah. And I think in the past, you know, the companies have said, okay, we need to do something good. So once a year, they might sit down and write one check to one charity, and maybe you see the press release or maybe you don't. But I think your example is absolutely right. First of all, you know, try and find a charity or different charities that are relevant to different people and then make donations on their behalf to those charities on right. a regular basis. And again, the scale, it's extraordinary. So for me, you know, I might be very passionate about, you know, finding a cure for cancer where somebody else might want to, you know, save the whales. So right. we'll all have a different emotional response. So let's try and make it where back to my point about choice. If yeah. Diane can choose, okay, my, you know, donation from this company, I'm going to ask for it to go to the Save the Whales Fund. You feel like you've had an input into that donation and you've made a contribution. So I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And it really does drive the point home about the emotional attack, you know, connection. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, this is so fascinating. I, I keep, as we're talking, I keep thinking about um, <laughs> different brands that are doing different sorts of loyalty things where I would not have expected it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I notice it. it. It makes some sort of a, a difference. And it really does. I mean, even Priceline, I'm a devoted customer to them mm-hmm. because they offer me VIP deals mm-hmm. no matter where I say I want to go. Yeah. You know, and, and they pay attention to where I, you know, where I mm-hmm. actually stay when I, when I book through them. Yeah. So they're connecting those dots. Yeah. Amazing. And that is what loyalty programs are meant to do. They're meant to understand you as an individual to the best possible scenario. So I'm sure you've heard the phrase data is the new oil. And time and time again, we hear it. And then, as I said, my birthday comes around and my data is being ignored. So (laughs) (laughs) where did that fall down? Like I'm a loyalty (laughs) So I don't know. Epic fail. Hey, listen, it tells you who needs a conversation, right? Totally. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Paula, this is so great. I really appreciate you uh, spending time with me and explaining all of this. It it is really um, significant, you know, especially these days where customers really are looking for experiences beyond the transaction. Yeah. They are. And I think they're also looking for even simple things like, you know, corporate trust. You know, I read some fabulous research by KPMG, which I'm sure you know, the consulting brand. And they said, you know, corporate trust and transparency is by far the most important factor in driving customer loyalty. So to my point earlier, for example, about diluting your rewards ratio, like Mm -hmm. that would absolutely like it's fundamentally contradictory. And I often say that unless integrity is at the heart of your program, you're just setting yourself up to fail. Like that principle has to be there that this is a relationship that has to work both ways. So, um, yeah, that's why, as I said, loyalty professionals, we spend a lot of time defending, explaining and innovating because we do want to have these, you know, very differentiated propositions so that, you know, a price line, for example, might get mentioned either in, you know, private conversation or even in a public forum like you just did. It's amazing. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's, you know, what I always say when I, when I teach people about sales, what I say is, yes, you need to sell, let it go. That can't be your focus because if that's your focus, everyone's going to know that's your focus yeah, and they don't care. Right. right? Totally. Yeah. 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 So there's integrity right there, Diane. I, yes. And I saw that because I was looking at your LinkedIn and it said something like no sales selling. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally, yeah. I, I get this. That's moment. my big thing. Right. <laughs> right. Amazing. Totally. Well, it doesn't work. That's the other thing. So, and, and it goes along with loyalty programs, right? If you join just for the sake of doing it, it's not going yeah. to get you the result that you want. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not going to move the dial for sure. No, no. And what a waste of time and energy exactly. and to get the exact opposite of what you're going for. It's sort of crazy. Sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, Paula. Did work for us. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Diane. 
That's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Um, will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you, how they can find your podcast and oh, everything they to. should know? Oh, for sure, Diane. Thank you so much. So first of all, my website is literally www.letstalkloyalty.com and people can opt into my email newsletter right there obviously if they want to get the uh, the weekly show sent out to them and of course I'm on all the podcast platforms so whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify just look for Let's Talk Loyalty and then I'm very active on LinkedIn so um, I, I hope we're connected I did check there uh, this morning and but Paula Thomas T-H-O-M-A-S if you put Paula Thomas Loyalty you'll definitely find me no problem excellent 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 well like i said I, I really appreciate this i think everyone should be thinking about how they can be developing experiences for their customers that really create loyalty both ways or improve loyalty both sure. ways so thanks that this was awesome thanks diane Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> so, no.